can't believe we're doing our own podcast. I'm so excited. I was so sick to death of hearing other people's stories and not being able to butt in and share my learning. So I'm really happy that we've got unlimited time to just share our story and have people get to know us. You know what I mean? I was surprised it took us to episode 16 or 17 for the request to get sort of too much overwhelmed by requests. I've had one person say, look, you know what? I'd like to hear a bit more from you and Rob. So I've been lying and telling everyone that a lot of people have been hitting me up saying, Hey, when are you and Rob going to share your story? So um, I'm lying there. It's just a bit of a self-indulgent sort of episode. We've had the idea to do a podcast for ages. I mean, I've been a big fan of Joe Rogan since early 2000 or whenever it started kind of thing. And I always loved it, but just never thought I had the confidence to start one up. So we eventually grew some balls and we had the time. We were like, why not? I think one of the big things for me personally was LinkedIn. You know, you're looking through the feed and it's all the same boring content from companies that you're like, yeah, cool. Like whatever you do, you do. It's, it's cool, but it's not engaging. You know what I mean? It's not something I want to open or click on. So it's a bit of like a boring time spent, you know, online. So I think for me, I wanted to ask questions that I've always wanted to ask. And it's a bit of a selfish project, but you know, hopefully people are learning as much as we are. I think that's the coolest thing is that we've had um, the reason that you and I have, have done this on top of that is to, to share these learnings with others is to make, if we're getting access to these amazing people, like we've, we've had such unreal luck. Can't believe we've got like one or two guests, let alone whatever we, we had now 16. Like it's good. <laughs> these people have been unreal. Imposter syndrome is a big one talking about how do you, do you feel comfortable putting out content? I know that there's people who put, talk about content as uh, you have to be a thought leader in thought leadership. And I, I don't think that I, I felt the pressure of figuring out how do you put content that's actually worth people's time. And I think that what we're trying to do here is provide value to people who are listening and interested in learning and wanting to be better in an informal, fun way to take in some content. And for us, people have been liking it. Like I, I think one of the biggest surprises for you and I like is just, the feedback we're getting from people that we've never met from before from all over the world, breaking down their learnings, talking about um, the concepts of Kaizen. Kaizen. It's just continuous improvement, isn't it? It's just it's Japanese for continuous improvement. Yeah, there you go. I might get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. Uh, under the, um, the Brendan Favola, just under the arm. What do you reckon? <laughs> Emotional intelligence. I know it's massive. We both sort of rate that as essential to living a, to living a good healthy life um having that emotional intelligence and being able to navigate your way through certain situations because in business it can be tough you know you can swim with the sharks but you know you need to be able to have that energy and balance and people to lean on when you can and and, and figuring that out you know most people we've talked to is who have been in um some pretty high up leadership positions have spoken on the importance of emotional intelligence and empowering their teams and empowering their people so i think one of the topics that's come up and we really wanted to learn about was how do you build, like, everyone's going to go to work and, and find happiness and, and peace with what they do. But I think it was interesting with what Chris said, who just came out, is how do you connect purpose or meaning to the work that you're doing? And if you're trying to do that as a leader with lots of teams, it's how do you do that at scale and make sure that uh, you're bringing the best out of people? You're, you're allowing an environment that, that people can thrive in or you're creating an environment that allows people to sounds corny, but reach whatever potential that they, they have mm. getting the best out of the people. And, but it's a two way street, right? That's a, 
what, what I've learned is that not everyone has that mindset. You've got to want to improve to improve. And that was what Mark Matthews said. First of all, if you don't think you get better, you're not going to, you're not going to get better at all. Yeah. First, first step is I think I can improve. So therefore I can. And then you start it. That's it. Do you think it's just people settling for what they think they deserve? Like, Oh yeah, I'm in this position. This is what I've always sort of like, I'm happy with this. Like, this is what I deserve. Maybe I'm not putting out as much energy. You know what I mean? Like there's, there, do you reckon there's so many, there's a lot of people on idle that are just like, you know what I mean? Going through the motions. No, I think there's deeper complexities in yeah, there okay. and, and, and elements and dimensions to it. I, I think it's, we listened to something the other day. I don't know who was saying, who was saying it, but we were on the other podcast. Musk said it. And he said, how there's too many smart people have gone to do who are accountants and lawyers or whatever they said. And they say they're not, oh, I'm not creative. Well, you've put, creative. You, haven't put, yeah, you haven't put yourself in an environment where you've been allowed yourself to be, you know what I mean? You've capped your thoughts a little bit. That's not continuous improvement. You know, and it's in, you can see it in the language. You know what I mean? If people start saying that, you're like, well, well, you know, you need that curiosity. You need that flair. You need that Ric Flair. I think it's just an interesting take because it, it's a default option. I think it's a hard thing. I didn't know what I wanted to do about going out of school. Does anyone know? I feel like you sort of have to feel pressure like you have to know i didn't know mm. for me personally i just never really thought like that but i know i'm probably one of the lucky ones but i know there's a lot of other people who did feel that pressure of i don't know what to do or they might have locked themselves into something a career that really early that they're like oh shit i've you know i've had to take a loan out to to pay for you know whatever to do this you know what i mean like a uni or whatever it is the fees and they're like oh shit I'm a big one for people should just take a gap year, go travel, see the world when you can, maybe not in the next not, two not years, now. not now, but at least just live life a little bit and just figure out what you want because I love being lost. You know what I mean? I like, that's where I figured out where my strengths are, what I want to do. And that's what people don't sort of touch on enough. I think like it's good to be lost sometimes because you figure out what you want to do and where you want to go. You only got one life, you know, and if you're curious and you're lost, that's a good thing. I think. But we had a chat, didn't we? When I came back from living in Canada and I was like, oh, I don't know what, what I want to do. Um, got a job at a bar and it was like, well, I know I don't really want to do this forever, but it's a cool job. I'm going to, my skills suit this position. It's easy. It's flexible, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's good for now. But long-term you can't, like when you think about kids and family and settle down, like it's like, well, shit, I don't want to be working Saturday, Sunday nights. I don't want to be, you know? And it's like, I need to figure that out. And then sort of having that sort of, I think mindset of just like, all right, well now I'm looking, I'm exploring. What do I like? I've tried so many different things. What jobs did you had? Oh, plenty of different. I've had, I worked at the cricket shop. That was my first job, Greg Chapel cricket center. And I remember just, I was obsessed with cricket. So it was bloody yeah, awesome. Career. Cricket nuffy. Cricket nuffy, man. I used to work every Sundays with a couple of the boys, you know, we just, it was the first job I'd done work experience. And the only reason I got the job there on work experience is because I called up myself and apparently everyone else got their teachers to call or their, you know, career advisor to call. And the reason that they just took someone on for work experience was because I called. So that was, I think an important step into like, well, I didn't sort of, it wasn't, a, I didn't try intend to do it like that. It just sort of, my career advisor just didn't do it, you know? So I was like, Oh, but then I realized, you know, like if I, if I'm the one doing that and showing the initiative and, Oh, that's how I can play. You know what I mean? That's how I can get involved. That's how I can figure stuff out. But anyway, that was the first job. Jetty surf after that, which was, you know, fun. Retail's fun. You just hang out with your mates. But yeah, I mean, we've done, we, we started Obi's, a slides company. 
that we've people done. People can understand how many different jobs you have. Why, why do you reckon you connect well with people? I think it's because you've done every job there is under the sun. You've worked in a float tank place. Yeah. Make sure the bath water's nice and warm and salty. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's just the, like, I don't know. I think. What's on in a float tank? Explain what's in a float tank. What well, happens? it's just. It, Give me the experience. Just, yeah. Well, it's one of the best things you can do, I think, for a lot of people. But for a lot of people, it's probably a scary thing because, uh, you know, you're jumping into a tub. Uh, with a lid on it and you're in a, an enclosed space. So if you're a bit claustrophobic and that, it's hard. But once people go in and, and experience it, um, you know, the first time is always a bit overwhelming because you jump in and you're like, oh, you know, this is very different to anything I've ever done and what am I meant to do? And, you know, so part of my job was to reassure them what their experience was going to be like and then afterwards, did it match up? What was, You know, like, I don't know. It was just a lot of talking shit, to be honest, but it was how, fun. How do you make someone feel comfortable before they nude up and get in the bath? <laughs> um yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. You don't stand in the room while they unchange. That's probably, that's probably a good first step. Um, I don't know. You just, it's people just want to experience something new and different. So most of the time they're either excited or scared. They're feeling something overwhelming. You just got to jump in and experience it. If you're into meditation, I see meditation. Yeah. I always thought you had to be sitting down with your legs crossed, charging your crystals, but meditation for me, what I realized is going for long walks and listening to music or, staring at the trees like a weirdo you know like i love that and that for me is like if i do that every day i can just i don't have to answer texts i don't have to do that stuff and you know i don't have a schedule where it's like 9am and all that stuff but meditation and you know what i mean like it doesn't have to be the way you think it is in your head is that like you stretch don't you, you do weird shit <laughs> yeah i've been on a stretcher i've been stretching it's such an old man thing isn't it Oh, I'm an old man. My body is an old man. It doesn't. It's moving a bit more mobile at the moment, though. I'm back. I reckon. Do you reckon surfing helps with the with the fitness and stuff like that? I think 100. And the mindfulness thing. It's the moving down here and, and being able to. I, I found it difficult living back in in Strathmore over the last few years. And when having the injury that I did, and it, it took me out a lot of so, social circles. For the context, for for people who don't know, you done your knee pretty bad. Uh, what was it, 2016? Yeah, four, four years ago. Four years ago. What did you do to it? I know, but for everyone else who might not know. I was playing footy for my local club and I got tackled. It was a nice shithole ground, like muddy as, worst day ever. Like, couldn't think of anything worse. I don't want to play it. I don't want to play in a game like that, let alone get tackled in a game like that. <laughs> yeah, man, you're, you were soft. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, you're, I know what you mean. You didn't like to get dirty. And someone, and so anyway, I got tackled, the leg got stuck underneath me and my knee blew up. And I had, um, the outcome was I did my, snapped my PCL, tore my ACL and detached my MCL from, so three of the main four ligaments I had just crushed. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I spent a week in hospital, had emergency surgery to go through. It was more like a car accident, knee crash than a, than a sports mm. injury knee crash or the doctor says, right, it's like I jumped off the second story, second or third story building and just tried to land square on my knees. Oh, you love that though. That's when you tell doc, give us some more stories like yeah, that. Yeah, tell me more. Yeah. Give me more. Yeah, give me some and more I, ammo. So I rolled out of it anyway. No. And since then, that, that was actually, it's a pretty pivotal point in my life actually. It took a lot. It was forcefully shut one door that I didn't know. I attached a lot of my own identity and stuff too. And it, and it, was, it was a difficult time. So a couple of surgeries later, I had heaps of pain and fucked up couldn't get through so it's taken me the best part of four years i reckon to get back to being pain-free like it's just like it was niggly it was annoying like walking around just like just 
normally walk walking. You have to mm. turn a turn a corner, and your knee would like my knee would slip, and I get like shooting pains up my leg and stuff. You don't take uh, anything for granted after you go through something like that. You're like, oh, when you start to walk normally again, you're like, oh, this is what it feels like. Yeah, it was nice when they they took all the the pins out of my leg, and it was like, ah, I can roll over in bed, and that's good. You're probably going to be a bit down when you when you do your knee, and we we were living together at the time, so I was. You know, I was seeing you hop around the house, demanding, clicking your fingers. I don't think I click my fingers. There's no finger clicking. I think you even, you even texted me once and you were like, wanted me to go shopping for a bell. <laughs> I go shopping for a bell. Have a listen. <laughs> but yeah, but you were saying like, you, you grew up thinking you were going to play footy pretty much, yeah? Like you've, or athletics, so you're involved in sport. When that happened and all that stuff disappeared, um, there's probably a lot of people right now who have, had their careers or their aspirations or their pathway just a little bit shut or, or, you know, completely taken a different turn to them sort of people. What, what do you say to to them? Can you see it as sort of a growth opportunity as I know it's might be tough at the time, like how long it takes a long time, doesn't it? It, It doesn't just happen overnight. I think that's one of those things is that people who do sports, it's it's a, it's a cruel, it's a cruel career, right? And a lot of people you can see, it's not new news that a lot of people suffer from mental health post sports or post anything, right? If you if you strive to be uh, the only thing different about sports compared to say, if you aspire, aspire to be um, an academic, right? You can only, you can go on a continual life pursuit. Whereas if you aspire to be the best um, Liz Watson, aspire to be the best netballer that Australia has. But you know that at some point her body will will give and she'll have to go and she'll have to finish. But like touch wood, Liz is an amazing player and she has the uh, a, a long long career because we we love Liz and we've had same with Rourke. You can see how he's had a few injuries. We've had Caleb talking about how he's changed things things up. But it's when they when they finish, it's people have to understand that they've got they've built skills, they've developed things, they they are capable, they have abilities that can be pointed in a new direction and it's hard though that people have to realize that that's a real thing and I think that was important for me is that I always thank my mum I don't thank her enough but she helped to the point that when I even when I played footy she said I had to go make sure I had something ready to go afterwards so I did part-time uni while I played footy went on to do uni after after that to get my piece of paper to try and transition to a new new career and I found it difficult like I didn't get a job after playing footy like I couldn't get a job I applied for heaps of things mm. and the only job I got was I worked at EB Games that yeah man at and high point. tell the story this is a good story so I'm working at EB Games at high point I'm wearing my school shoes my black slacks a white short sleeve shirt from Target Iron nicely though. It was iron nicely. Oh, Kathy would have sorted you out a tree. Yeah. I'm going, fuck, I'm last couple of years ago, I'm playing on the G signing autographs. Now I'm working EB games, wearing a school shirt and school shoes. And I, and I, I was, it's funny because we saw the AFL game. And at that time I was still a character on the AFL game. So I was a kid coming and recognized me and we played and I was like, fuck. He's like, Oh, and he's on the AFL game in the story. He's like, oh, you're on the game. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not next year's one. But... <laughs> hey, do you want me to sign it? <laughs> do you want me to sign it? And he's like, oh, nah, man. You want to you buy any video games? 
no, nah, nah, I'm just waiting for my mum. She's out <laughs> shopping somewhere else. All right, well, have a good day. <laughs> hey, look, hey, buddy, thanks for the reality check. Love it. Love it. Yeah. yeah. No, but it is, it's like, I just think it's a pivotal point. Like I'm speaking to just a few friends and family members and stuff and, you know, people who've worked so hard to get to a certain point and now it's just been stripped away and they never even had the chance to fulfill their potential in that role. But like you said, it's important to know what skills that you've developed along the way and, ha- and, and be nice to yourself a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you have developed skills. You are strong in different areas that a lot of people aren't. You, you've been through a unique opportunity. You know what I mean? So I think try and think of that and use that to your advantage. It's hard though. You know what I mean? It's easier to say than do and it takes a long time. It's easier said than done. And it takes a long time. A lot of self-reflection, self-awareness, understanding why you feel certain ways about certain things, but also living in the reality. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing for people to, to deal with. And like, it's not easy to cope with. Do you think like when you, when you're going through life, do you ever think you're going to go through a period of hardship or something where it's going to just be flipped on your head? Especially now that, everything's happened this year, you know what I mean? Where things can just be taken away out of your control. A hundred percent. Shit happens and life's short and family's important, well-being and you just, anything can happen. So I honestly think now it's been a blessing in disguise for a lot of people who are now thinking it doesn't matter what job you do now. You know what I mean? There was certain hierarchy of class in society, I think with jobs. And now I think it's completely been flipped on its head and now it doesn't matter what you do. Like you're seeing the essential workers now and you're like, hang on, that's the most important thing that they're doing for society at the moment. You know what I mean? Where they're paid in whatever, you know what I mean? But it's, I think it's going to rejig a lot of things. And for people like us, and there's a lot of people like us who are now thinking, let's design our lives. You know what I mean? Let's, we're all back to square one. Let's start again. You know what I mean? It's sometimes a good chance to just plant your seed in a different area. I'm just saying that because I'm moving to Torquay, but and I just want a bit of clarification. You know, yeah, what was it called? Well, not clarification. Is it gratification? Reassurance? Or I just yeah, want reassurance. Yeah, yeah. You know tell what me, I mean? Like, tell me. No, no, I agree. I, I think it's for those who are lucky enough to be in a position to come out of here to do things like that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Lucky enough, yeah. Lucky enough, right? And we're, we're both the same thing, is it? And there's some weird shit going on in the world at the moment. Mm. And I think that, that what it's showing more than anything is that, fuck, life goes on for ages. And it's just, I think it just gives people an opportunity to stop and pause and go, fuck, what am I doing? You're not going to live like you're going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. Like it's, it's, it's not like that, but I think a mindset of like each experience, I'm never going to, I'm never going to feel that same way in that moment ever again. Just appreciate it a little bit more. Give it a crack. Have a go. It's hard for me, but I'm now starting to understand that other people live different lives and prioritize different things. But for me, I can't see why people don't want to experience different things and try new things and, you know what I mean? For, for me, it's natural and it's just coursing through my, my bones. But for other people, I know it's not. And so, you know, learning communication skills and people think I'm off my head, honestly, when I talk about the stuff that I do and, you know what I mean? And the way I am, they're thinking, this bloke's just, he's doing a bunch of doing? random stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I used to hate that when people used to say, oh, you try, you have a go at things. And you know what I mean? It's said in a demeaning sort of way or a you know, like a, you're a young, naive sort of, you'll learn your lesson kind of way. But in my head, I used to hate that. But now I'm like, that's the best thing about me, I think, is that I love being, trying new things and, and doing good, new things. You're good at doing new things. Well, how do you know you what like you want to do? Yeah. Just like, like music. You think you fucking love music, huh? Oh, mate, I'm a music nuffy. I've got no musical talent. I, well, started a band, A, eh? And I don't even know how to sing. Oh, you did and a DJ set too. I was, I, I was, I was bopping. Yeah. Hey, I rocked oh. the house. Hey, I got the three thirty main room, main stage, 
Oh, mate. And when everyone's playing all this like bounce stuff, remember that? And I just come on with this chilled stuff. I thought I'll rock the house. It was Let's a good, it it was good set. You didn't give much emotion. You no, sat there and just just sank pots. On I, the st- I was so nervous. I yeah, I know. I, had, I, I was, <laughs> oh, I was watching you. I, was, I didn't know what to do with my hands because I didn't really mix. I I just honestly played like eight songs back to back. It was like a playlist DJ set, but I didn't really give a shit. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I'm just standing there like a dickhead. There's like hundred <laughs> people looking at me. I'm like, um, three thirty. I'm playing this chilled out sort of house stuff. So I just had people just bring me up pots and I just literally for 20 minutes, I reckon I drank about six or seven pots and just, oh, I had to carry you. I, we had to leave before we, I, apparently I got 10 out of 10s and we had to go because you threw up and you couldn't handle it anymore. I don't remember. I had to carry you out and I, apparently I would have won if I was there. <laughs> no way. No, nah, that's, that's a lie. Joke. That's a lie. But we, I did have to carry you back. <laughs> Which part's a lie? We want to encourage people to engage and with what they're learning. So we got some interesting feedback yesterday from a bloke named Pavan. Uh, he lives over in, uh, in Texas in the States. And he said, hello, Lachlan. Hope you are doing well and staying safe. I wanted to reach out to you and let you know that I was able to listen to one of your podcast episodes and wanted to share my thoughts on the same. First and foremost, I'd like to congratulate you and Rob for putting out such a fantastic series. As a graduate student who is getting started with his career, the topics you've spoken about will surely help me gain a lot of perspective. Further, you making these podcasts in addition to your regular work inspires me to focus some attention to my interests beyond the realm of the industry I work in, something which I feel is very important to provide meaning to life. While trying to decide which episode to start with, I noticed you had spoken to Arvi Noam Zelenko, who happens to be a mutual connection. I hence went ahead with the episode Life at Atlassian. The biggest takeaway from for me from the episode was that like RV, it is never too late to discover your passion and interests. As a student, it is easy to develop a false notion that we should have our lives figured out right away. Having been enrolled in management courses for the first time in the past semester, I'm a biotech engineer and have only had a technical background so far. It was interesting to listen to RV's thoughts on leadership through leveraging culture and collaboration and dissemination. He touched upon a few course concepts taught to me. I also loved how he referred to putting his thoughts out on LinkedIn being therapeutic. When he said he did not know what taking ownership meant and he accepted the offer nonetheless, it was reassuring and conveyed the message that one is needed to take risks. Overall, I enjoyed listening to the conversation. I'm currently reading a book about Kaizen, a Japanese philosophy about handling Kaizen. Kaizen, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Um, that's the one, you know. Um, a Japanese philosophy about handling change through continuous improvement. You aptly spoke about that as well. And so did Avi when he encouraged the listeners to take small steps. The only minor feedback I have for you is that a little more information about what Confluence is would have given greater context to your conversation. I was able to read up about it. So that was, however, not a problem. I would love to hear more about how entrepreneurs foster creativity and innovation in their workplaces in the future episodes. A question I am currently pondering over. I look forward to listening to all other episodes soon as well. If I were to remember only one thing from this, it would be the quote, have some nerve at the worst they'll say no. Keep up the great work and thank you. Regards, Parvin. Parvin, you're the man. Parvin, you are the man. I don't know if you drink vodka, soda and, and I don't know if Marcus is gonna give us a free slab, but there's one coming to Texas, brother. Yeah? I don't know. We'll figure that out. I may actually, we might edit that out. That's sick though, but that's it's cool though because we've had we've had a few people write in and people that we don't know. Yes, we've, we love feedback from people that we do, but I think it's it shows what we're trying to create here is if we want to share these learnings, we want to discuss at the end of each episode. If you've listened to one of our episodes, 
shoot Locke and I a message. Tell us what you listen. Tell us what your thoughts are. Have a conversation with us. Like we want to know. We we want to. We're trying to decompress and understand what we got out of the episodes. And it does well having some sounding boards and having those conversations. So feel free. Hit us up. Send us a message. Comment on our LinkedIn. Whatever. It'll actually help us a lot with our copy. You know. So if you've got learnings out there that we might not have even picked up on, it might be something that's um, purely customized to you. But it might be and it might help someone else. You know what I mean? So if any of them learnings and your take and your perspective on anything, share it with us um, because that's the whole point of why we're doing this is so other people can see and feel like they're not the only ones going through that. You can learn together. You can chat to people. It's not like you have to break through all these different barriers to just start a conversation. It's not that hard. I don't know. That's our goal. But in saying that, that's what we, that's the experience we need to provide. And that's what we're continually working on. And that's refining that. And that I think, you know, that's something that we're both super passionate about is just creating that community and engagement where it's not forced. It's people actually want to ask questions. It's not shitty call to actions. You know what I mean? It's what do you want to learn about? Talk to each other. Um, we're starting to see it now. And like, you know, we've had people reach out to us and they've got jobs from, you know, just people on our podcast talking, uh, people engaging on our LinkedIn that actually works. Opportunities come from when you, when you engage and when you talk and, when you put yourself out there a little bit and be a bit vulnerable, you know what I mean? The easiest thing I've done is just switch off the, the professional hat and just be a normal bloke and message people back like I would how I talk. Be a normal bloke. Problem solved, huh? It's not that hard, is it? Biggest learning so far. What have you taken away? Honestly, the biggest learning for me is clarification that we're on the right track, that learning, continuous learning. I just needed that sort of support that for me personally was validation you're on the right path validation that's the word validation i was on the right path and the things that i'm thinking about in my head internally um that i've been thinking about since i was a kid are coming to life now and all these smart people who i never thought i'd talk to are relaying like pretty much it's like an echo chamber and i'm like oh this is what i need but i understand moving forward that you can't live in the echo chamber all the time you need to shift that and have new experiences and stuff like that but at the moment that's what i needed and that's i'm sort of coming out of that now and learning new things what about you i think probably learning in a, in a bit of a pressure cooker environment like doing these um like kicking off the podcast and just like going out there and figuring out learning how to interview feeling comfortable having an opinion yeah like, that, like that's tough pressing record and then going all right fuck you gotta say something now and you gotta mm. make sense and i don't always make sense and the thing is i ramble i'm a rambler you're a known rambler I ramble sometimes. But uh, I like your rambles. But that's the thing. It's like you put yourself out there now. You know what I mean? Like that, and that, I know that was an uncomfortable thing for you to do initially. It was. Now I'm getting a little bit better. But it's, it's, it comes with confidence, right? Because now we're having, you think about the, the caliber of guests that we've had on and you have a conversation and you just live in the moment and you enjoy it. And the learning and the experience that comes from putting yourself in the deep end and, and navigating your way through those conversations is... One is like, we're, we're trying to extract learnings. You're still trying to have a nice conversation, but you want to make them feel comfortable enough that they're going to share meaningful information. But if, <laughs> if we freeze and say nothing, it's going to be a pretty fucking boring podcast, isn't it? Hey, we've, we have froze before. I've yeah, froze yeah. many a times. I, I remember there was, I edited it out. Obviously I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in charge of the editing. So there's no way that was hitting the floor, but I remember Tammy's episode. I was, I was chatting out. I literally forgot what I was talking about, what she asked me. And I just went back, I looped back to something I said in the first like question, you know what I mean? And afterwards I'm like, hang on. <laughs> I'm like, what did I just say? Like, she probably thinks there's something wrong with me, you know, but they're the sort of things that happen. And then you have to be okay with that. Like 
for me, it's all right. I don't mind being a bit of a dick and a goof and embarrassed. Like everyone gets embarrassed, but you've got everyone's to. A, you, have, you have to look like a dick sometimes, you know? And when everyone's we're talking, a dick. Yeah. But do you find like we're talking to these people? I know from my head, I'm a bit intimidated because they've obviously done a lot with their career and their life. And they're, most of the people we're talking to are a little bit older than us and have experienced it just a bit, a bit more. But bringing it back down to earth and having normal conversations and not pretending to know about their bloody tech stack that they use you know what i mean it's just it's so much better and i think like they're they're more willing to give information and share their learnings and their journey and it's been pretty weird having all these cool people say yes to be honest because it's like okay like they're saying yes this is amazing we're talking to these people this is real this has to be normal you know what i mean like we can't just be like oh we can't get like butterflies every time we interview someone you know what i mean it has to be like well this just has to be normal <laughs> Like we, we have got, to we got better. We got better now, though. We are better now. Yeah. We got better. We got a process. We established our process. We figured out how to plan for an interview, plan to have a new guest, understand how we want to operate it. I don't know. Yeah. It's feeling it hasn't taken that long to get comfortable in what we're doing, but it's still like hmm. I don't know. Shitty microphones. I don't know how. Long, what episode did I record with my microphone off? Or oh, it would have been a. You weren't happy about that, were? You? <laughs> oh, no, because after I listened to it, I'm like, Robbie's microphone's either dodgy or he hasn't turned it on. I didn't really, Jerry. And then, you know, obviously figured it out. You hadn't turned it on properly. And you were telling everyone at work and you were showing them actually on the Zoom, weren't you? And they're probably like, this bloke's audio. So he, he bought, he put, he paid 150 bucks for the worst microphone ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> they must have thought you were a dickhead for weeks. <laughs> Did they? I don't know. They never said it. Uh, they might say it now, but I'll be back if that's okay. I feel like, like I was too, though. You know, yeah. I owned it. I told yeah. people. I told people. I didn't have it on. Hey, that's the key. I think you're just going to own it, don't you? There's no point sweeping shit under the rug. It's going to come out anyway. You know. What's coming uh, up next for us? Who's next? Who have we got on the show next? Rev some people up. Show some excitement. People got some... this long. Who who have we got coming up? Oh, we've got some absolute belters. We're talking to Paul Roos. I'm pretty pumped about that. Just. Talking to him on the phone earlier today was just a bit weird. You know, you talk about speaking to people who you've seen on TV for ages and you're like, hang on, I've, I watch like on the couch and I watch all these shows and I actually value his opinion. You know what I mean? Like I actually think he's a really smart dude and I've always been a big fan. Big What's fan his company's him. name? Performance by Design. Performance by Design. Pretty pumped to have him on. 100%. I want to talk about information dissemination, the importance of reviews. Me too. Kick it off. I think it's in, one of the big things that... My day job we talk about is retrospectives. I brought it up before. It's the, it's the point of inspection and adaption used to reflect on performance, how things are going, just a general general gut check. And then you, you put actionable items in place to improve. That's what, that's what the purpose of a retro is. But it's, it's funny that it come up across multiple people. So Avi talked about information dissemination and, arming people with information to make decisions and empower teams, but also their review process and how, how well established that was and how safe everyone felt to go through that process, how normal it was. And the same as Liz, she's got a stop, start, keep straight after the game at the Australian football team where they quickly reflect on what do they want to stop doing, start doing and keep doing. And it, it's interesting is that that, that little inspection on how we track and how we're going is so vital to make sure you are still on track. You are going down the right pathway. Like you don't need to adjust. It gives you that 
that time and that moment to look, find is out just, how to get better. Is it getting people to just think about it? You know what I mean? So they know the process after the game. They know they're going to have to come up with something that they want to get out of it. So they're analysing their performance while they're doing it. Is that, is that what you're trying to get at? I think that it's, it's more about establishing it as part of the norm. Is that historically always working would be around, there is no point of view. Like just the work continues forever. Your, mm. your big bang approach where you do you st- kick off something and a few, few years later you've, you finish it up and go, how'd we go? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you, you know, we know now, like especially straight after um, COVID and having Nick come on and talk about business agility and the impacts of what coronavirus has had on the economy and businesses and how they've had to adapt and how, and how the structure and the organ in the organisation, how the the people change and adapt and allow, and allow that, and how they can uh, how they can move and pivot. I think it's um, I don't know. It's, it's come out a lot that, like you talked about before, one of the big things I knew that was as important. Reviews. Caleb Daniel watching film, talking about how he gets better and works directly with his coaches. All the best people we that we talk to about stuff all do some sort of review process on a regular basis. Yeah. So how do you make them fun? Like, how do you make them engaging? How do you make, how do you, how do you inspire people to want to do reviews? Is it about the outcome? It's called setting the scene. So when you have these sessions, you've got to go in with a purpose. So if you come in with the idea that it's just going to be another boring retro through the same template, you're going to do your shitty review process. You've got to, it sounds funny, but like, it's like the trust the process thing is that you've got to go in with an open mind, ready to be reviewed. I think that's the best thing that I learned from my time playing footy was that review process was for me. I, I watch heaps of film. I cut heaps of my own edits. I used the computer to go through and just went through with development coaches. Hey, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And that, that same thing came on for a lot of things, how I reviewed my own performance, but it, it's the, how, how do you apply it in practice is everyone in that, everyone who comes to that session has to be on the same page. And if they're not, they have to voice it in that room. I don't know how many times I've been a fly on the wall in a session where you know something's up, people go into a review process, don't bring the thing up that is annoying everyone, and then walk out. Well, you've wasted everyone's time because mm. we haven't solved the problem that we needed to actually solve for. Do you need to empower people? Do you, need to, do you need to make them confident and be able to trust that when they speak, it's going to be all right? Like It's just an honest sort of thing. Do you, is that the sort of environment you try to create, that honest sort of and confident to bring up stuff and, and chat about things? I think there's, there's one, um, there's one specific, uh, you know, this is it here, project Aristotle from Google. And it's around much of work done at Google as many organizations is done by collabor- collaboratively by teams. And pretty much they're saying, what, where does the real stuff come from? Where's the, like, what are the impacts and the drivers to it effective teams? Mm. The number one is psychological safety. Team members feel safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. Number two, dependability. Team members get things done on time and meet Google's high bar of excellence. Three, structure and clarity. Team members have clear roles, plans, and goals. Four, meaning. Work is personally important to team members. And five, impact. Team members link their work matters and create change. They're easier said than done to create, but it's psychological safety that in going into a retrospective when you set the scene. It has to be a safe environment, but you have to, but it takes time to create an environment like that. So you can't walk into a team for the first time and just go perfect. We're going to, all the cards are on the table. We're going to go as deep as anything. Mm. It's about building trust, understanding your teammates, who you're working with, learning about each other, giving and receiving feedback and, and take the time to build rapport, understand 
how each other operate and then find a way to make it work. Yeah, that makes sense. So you sort of want to bring, you want to unite people. Yeah. So I know sporting teams, you know, you're not going to get along with 44 players on your team or you're not going to, you're not going to get to know as many people, you know, even if you wanted to, you probably couldn't. Well, that about wraps things up. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in and giving us a listen. I'm, uh, I'm sure we'll meet again soon. Cheers.